Have you ever had a dream or a vision or God really laid something on your heart that you wanted to share with other people but you didn't know how? Didn't know what to say. Didn't know how to get the conversation started. Well, that was Nehemiah's dilemma in our message this morning on how to turn your vision into other people's dreams. This is the sermon from February the 10th, 2013. It's number four in our Nehemiah book series entitled Repair, Rebuild, and Restore. I hope you enjoy it and I hope God speaks to your heart. Let's join our worship team as they finish up our time of worship. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come and have your way in this place. Father, we ask right now that you would come and inhabit the praise of your people. Father, God, forgive us for going through the motions. Forgive us for just playing church, going to a place instead of seeking a person. Father, we need revival. We need it in our hearts. We need it in our nation. Father, break our hearts this morning for what breaks yours. Challenge us. Speak to us. Let your Holy Spirit run wild in our hearts. Father, take everything that is not of you and show it to us right now so that we might remove it. Anything that's a barrier to me hearing from you, anything that I've placed in the way, show it to me right now so that I might remove it. Father, we claim your grace. We claim your mercy. We claim your salvation. We claim your forgiveness. Thank you for letting us come to this place to receive your power, to receive your presence, to receive, Father, your anointing on our lives that comes when the people of God come together in unity. God, I pray that you would overflow into each one of us today from your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Be seated. My oldest, my son, is in high school and he's taking civics this semester, which many people would think is a horrible class, but he loves it because he's a history guy, a lot like I am. And so in taking civics, it's allowed us an opportunity to have a lot of deep discussions about our country. A lot of deep discussions about what makes our country special. Uh, There's a lot of people, and you may have problems with what's going on in our country, and not all of us agree about everything, and uh, you may have problems with government, but regardless of all of that, we still live in the greatest nation with probably the best form of government that's ever been formed. 
And, and as we've been discussing, my son and I, uh, how that nation came about, how our form of government came about, it's really uh, something short of miraculous that we are where we are. Do you understand that the nation that we live in and the freedoms that we have all came out of a dream of a couple of men? A vision of a couple of men that had this idea for a representative republic for a country that was run by the people to secure the freedoms for those very same people. And, and, and these, these men, these several men, reading guys and philosophers like John Locke and Rousseau, uh, these men, John Adams and, and Thomas Jefferson and even Benjamin Franklin, and there's others you could add, but really those three began to push this simple dream upon the rest of the nation. But you see, if it would have just been a dream, it would have never gone any, any further than it did. But these three and four or five others had this vision that what started as a tax revolt, what started as this dissatisfaction with taxation, ended up being the nation that we're in today. Because those men cast that dream to those around them, and others bought that dream and made it their vision. And through blood and sweat and tears, their dream became a reality. And today, it's the dream of millions of people. It's the reason we sit here, because a few men sacrificed everything they could for the vision that they had, for a new nation. And I say all of that because that's where we are in our study of Nehemiah. This, this idea of rebuild and repair and restore and what that means. And, and this idea of Nehemiah taking a vision that God had given him and casting it to the people. See, we've, we've gone through three messages now in this series. And we've seen where Nehemiah had a vision birth. A, a birth of a vision always takes place when we are dissatisfied with the status quo. When we see a need. And Nehemiah heard the reports about the walls in Jerusalem. And it broke his heart and he made it his own. And it became a vision that he had to change things. Some of you have been given a vision, a vision for your families, a vision for your life, a, a vision for this church, a vision for, for those around you, your business. And that vision becomes your own. And Nehemiah was broken over it. We saw the vision birth. And then we saw that Nehemiah had to take several months of praying and planning how he was going to initiate this vision. How this vision matured. Uh, he was a servant, a, a cupbearer of the king of Persia, Artaxerxes. We saw that vision maturing in the time that it took as he waited. Some of you are in that waiting period now and you're frustrated and you're discouraged because it's not happening as soon as you want it to or things aren't moving as quick as you'd like them to, but God is, is preparing you and he's working in your heart to get you ready for whatever it is that he's got for you. And then two weeks ago, we saw how Nehemiah all of a sudden had the door open that Arxerxes the king came and said, what's troubling you? And God opened the door for Nehemiah to say, my heart is broken over Jerusalem. And Artaxerxes said, well, what can we do? What can I do? And that vision that was birthed and that matured became a reality. But you see, this, this morning we come to the place where we understand that Nehemiah can't build the walls to Jerusalem all on his own. 
See, he's been given a vision that, that the walls of Jerusalem that have been down for a hundred and uh, really over 400 years, but 170 years they've been back and they haven't been rebuilt and the town isn't secure and, and it's in danger of being overthrown. But he can't go and, and physically build each one uh, of the walls and the gates to secure Jerusalem. He needs other people's help. And so what he's got to do is somehow take this vision that is in his heart and cast it to other people. To make it other people's dreams. And that's where we come in our story. You see, Nehemiah has got to begin to share his vision so that others can buy into it. I I told you a couple weeks ago that, that when God begins to work in your life, he doesn't work in a vacuum. God doesn't work all alone in what's going on in your heart. He is always working around you to prepare the ground, to prepare other people for whatever it is that he's calling you to do. See, God's just not calling you to do something. If you're married, God is calling you, but he's also preparing your spouse for whatever it is he's calling you to do. He's preparing people around you that you're going to need to support you, maybe financially, maybe to to open doors for you, maybe to, to come alongside you. Maybe they even have the same vision, and they're going to come alongside you and help you go through the doors that God is calling you to. But he's always working around us. To prepare, And you see, it wasn't just an accident that Nehemiah happened to be there with a bottle of wine with a depressed look on his face when Artaxes said, what's wrong? God was preparing Artaxes, the king of Persia's heart, so that he could begin to lead Nehemiah. So how do you go from your dream, your vision, to casting it to other people? If you've ever tried to do it, it's not something that's simple if God's not ordaining it. It's not something that's simple for you to say, here's what I think we can do. Here's what I think can happen. Here's where God's taking me. Because there are a lot of barriers along the way. So what I want to do this morning is I I want to suggest to you that, that whatever it is that God's calling you to do, you can't do it alone. Whatever path it is that you see God leading you on, whatever path it is that God's leading this church on, we can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. You can't do it alone in your family and in your home and in your business. You need others. So how can you take that dream that burns inside of you and make it other people's dreams? Well, We're going to look at Nehemiah's story because I think it's a perfect model for taking a vision and making it someone else's dream. So if you have a Bible, turn to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2, and I've told you before, bring your Bible. Uh, We'll print some of the verses on that blue sheet, but it's great if you can bring your Bible and follow along. Uh, I told you, go find Psalms and Proverbs, the biggest book in the Old Testament, and then start going backwards. Uh, You'll come to Job, and then you'll come to Esther, and then you'll come to Nehemiah. So it's not real hard to find. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 2, we're continuing on the story of what's going on in Nehemiah's life. He's been told that he can have the report and he can go to Jerusalem and and the king gives him support. He gives him financial help and he says, now you can go. So look what happens, starting in verse 9 of chapter 2. So I went to the governors of trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. And the king who also sent the army officers and cavalry with me. But when Sanballat the Heronite and Tobiah the Ammonite, remember those names, Sanballat and Tobiah, and then there's another one that's, that's listed around there. When they heard, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. And so I went to Jerusalem, and after arriving, stayed there three days. Now, that quickly covers a long period of time. He is in Persia, and he goes to Jerusalem. 
That's uh, 800, 900 miles. Uh, that's about a two and a half, three month journey by camel through the desert to get to Jerusalem. See, the first thing I want you to see if you're going to cast your dream and your vision and make it someone's reality is you're going to have to step out of your comfort zone. You see, it's one thing to have a dream and a vision when you're sitting in Persia, but when you're sitting in a job and you have the king right there and he's your good friend. It's another thing to get on a camel and begin to pursue your dream. You see, if you're going to follow what God is calling you to do, you've got to step out of your comfort zone. Let me just share this with you. Your dream and your vision will never become a reality sitting on your couch. It'll never become a reality sitting in the same routines that you're going through now. You see, because if God's calling you to something new, you're going to have to somehow begin to take a step of faith into that place. You're going to have to somehow begin to say that I've got to get out of the status quo and begin to move forward. Nehemiah had to decide that I'm not going to stay in Susa. I've got to go to Jerusalem and there's no time like the present. So he loaded up and headed out on a long, lonely journey. You see, that's hard to do, but it's the first step to seeing your dream and vision become others' dream and vision, to step out and trust God that he is leading you. I I can remember some of my best friends when we were serving in Chattanooga, uh, husband and wife. The husband served on staff with me. He was a music associate, and he led most of our student music and our college worship and our youth worship and his wife worked in an insurance company and they had kids the same age as our kids and we would hang out with them and one night we were out eating and she began to share a dream that she had a vision really that God had put on her heart she said you know God is is impressing on me they they just had a new child and she said that that I I want to develop a, a working environment for women So that they can stay home and take care of their kids, but yet still support their family financially. She said, I'm beginning to understand how this can happen. And she began to share it with us. And, and, you know, my wife and I and another couple there, we said, that's a good idea. That sounds like a good plan. Uh, But, you know, we hear all kinds of stuff like that, especially working in church. People that come up with ideas and plans and never follow through. And I remember a couple of weeks later, her husband coming to me and saying, listen, we have just made a huge financial investment. We went out and bought a monogram machine because my wife believes that this is going to be her job to to sell purses and, and tote bags and those kind of things and to monogram them real specially and uh, to allow women to sell these from their home. And, and, and she began to talk about it and share about it. And, 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 you know, we listened to these stories. And I would go over to their house, and Kim and I would go and eat with them. And, and, and she would come upstairs and go, look, and, and see, this is my office, and this is all the stuff that we have. And I remember the day that Scott came to work, her husband, and said, man, I need you to pray for me. She said, God told my wife last night to quit work. She was making probably half of the family income. Said she told him to quit work because if she's ever going to do this job full time, she's got to pour everything into it. He said, we're already in financially uh, over our heads. We're already, uh, but God is telling her to do it. Now he's told me, he said, I believe in what God is telling her and I'm going to trust her. They had to step out of their comfort zone. I remember praying with him and he was just weeping saying, God, I don't know, but I'm trusting you. She decided to name the company after uh, her favorite proverb, the proverb of the, the, the special woman there in Proverbs 31. She named the company 31. And, and that company in, in 10 years has gone from her house in, in her upstairs living room to now this last year, they had over a million women selling purses and totes all over the United States. They, they, they did over a billion dollars in business. 
And the same, Scott called me, and, and some of you know, I went and spent some time. He, he, they bought a new boat, which God has blessed them beyond measure, and they're still faithful. But he, he bought a 48-foot boat, and he's now, doesn't do his job. He works with her, and, and I wish God would have given us that vision because I'd be a stay-at-home dad now, and I wouldn't be uh, preaching. But I went down, and he, he flew me down to get away, and I went down and spent some time with him on the boat. And, and we began to think about it. It's their 10-year anniversary this year, and he began to tell me how God has taken this business and where it has taken it and how God has used it to free women up all over the country and the testimonies and the stories. And, and he said, I, he said I, I never understood how much we had to trust. You see, listen, if God is going to see your vision to a reality, you're going to have to somewhere along the line step out of your comfort zone. But here's the thing. Along the way, it's easy to get discouraged. Now, I can imagine Nehemiah riding on that camel for for three months, dusty roads, thinking, why in the world did I leave the comfort of my home? Why did I leave the most beautiful city of mankind? Susa at the time was the capital of the Persian Empire. To go, all of a sudden, he pulls up to Jerusalem on this camel caravan, and the walls are down, and the buildings are still burned, and people are scattered. Can you imagine the discouragement that he probably faced? Thinking, why did I leave home? You see, here's what's going to happen, guys. The moment you take a step of faith, you're going to get attacked. First, you're going to get attacked from within. Those doubts, those questions, that discouragement. How could I do this to my family? Man, it sure was easier if I'd have stayed in, in Persia. Look at the walls of this city. Look at all the things that I left behind. You see, it's easy to go through discouragement, but you have to fight it. But the second thing you need to understand is as you're you're struggling through this and as you're taking that step of faith and that discouragement comes, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to help you overwhelm it. But you also need to recognize that there are going to be people around you that are not going to be as excited as your vision as you are. You see the guys they listed there? These guys are ongoing characters in our story of Nehemiah. Sanballat. Sanballat was the governor of Samaria. Samaria was uh, on the, the west or eastern side of Jerusalem facing the Persian Empire. For Nehemiah to get from Persia to Jerusalem, he had to go through Sanballat's land. And Sanballat wasn't excited about him coming in and doing something because he controlled the routes. Tobiah, and then there's another one that gets added later to make the three stooges that will follow throughout our story because they are just the characters of discouragement. But Tobiah, who was the the governor of Ammon, he's to the north. And so either way, Nehemiah was going to have to come, and these people were not happy. See, let me give you a little secret. When you begin to cast your vision, when you begin to talk about what God is birthing in you, there are going to be people around you that are not going to be excited about it, maybe even the closest ones you have to you. I remember when God began to call me in ministry almost 30 years ago. And I remember going to my family, and I planned on going to college and going into politics and law. And I had this gift of speaking, and I was in debate and mock trial and all that kind of stuff. And and I remember going and and telling my parents, listen, I believe God is telling me that I'm going to be a preacher full time, that I'm going to go into ministry. And and you could tell by the look on their face, they, you know, it was, my parents were religious and they went to church. My dad was deacon. And they kind of smiled and nodded their head and they said, oh, that's great. And they began those backhanded compliments like, but you're so much more talented than that. You can do so much more than that. Why, why would you want to label yourself or narrow yourself into one area? 
You see, it, it never fails that when God is giving you a vision, when God says, this is what I want you to do for your life or for your relationships, there are going to be those around you and sometimes those closest to you that are going to be discouragement to you. But you've got to put their voices out. I remember when I came to Blowing Rock five years ago, and I came and I preached, and uh, God called me here. And uh, one of the older ladies in the, the second service at the time I was leaving, and she, she came up to me afterwards, and she said, I love listening to you, and I love you to death, and I'm glad you're here. But let me ask you, why are you here? So why would you come to Blowing Rock? You were at a huge church in Chattanooga. You, you, you were doing all, why did you come to Blowing Rock? And I said, well, God told me to. And she just looked and said, yeah, all right. You see, when God puts something, people around you aren't going to understand. And you need to understand that. You need to recognize it. You need to be ready for it. He says, don't get discouraged. Don't allow those closest to you to discourage you. And then there's a third thing he had to do when he stepped out. And this is probably the most important. You see what it said there that he did when he got to Jerusalem? Been traveling for two and a half, three months, maybe more. Pulls into Jerusalem and it says there in verse 11, it says, and I waited three days. This is very important. A lot of people just rush by this. You need to understand as God is doing something in your heart, as God is directing you and God is giving you a vision, the most important thing you can do is regularly rest and refresh. See, it's the thing most of us forget about. We get a vision, we get a passion, we get a drive, and, and we pour everything into it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we just go, and we just go, and we just go, and what happens is we burn out. Nobody was created to go the way many of us go. You think it's an accident that God said one out of every seven days you're not supposed to do anything? Do you remember, that wasn't a suggestion. It's a command. One out of seven, every seven days. That means don't work at home. That means don't carry your stuff with you. It means you need to rest. You see, I've seen so many God-honoring, spirit-filled, vision-directed Christians that were so well-intentioned, that had such a passion and such a vision, get burned out emotionally, spiritually, physically, because they didn't take the time to rest and refresh. And Nehemiah knew it. He said, before I take on this task, I need to recharge. See, some of you are on the verge of burnout. You're chasing your dreams so hard. And if you don't rest, take time for yourself. Take time for you and God. Take time for you and your family. If you don't plug back into what gives you the energy you need, you're never going to make it in your vision. I promise you. Nehemiah said, I can't do this task unless I rest. So for three days, he sat. We don't know what he did. I believe he just went out and relaxed. Wiped and cleaned the camel dust off, prayed, spent time with God. You see, the first thing, if you're going to make your dream and your vision other people's dreams, is you've got to step out. The second thing you've got to do is you've got to step up. What does it mean to step up? Well, let's look at what Nehemiah does. Look at verse 12. After three days, I set out during the night with a few men, and I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do in Jerusalem. I hadn't told anybody yet. 
There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. And by night I went out through the valley gate towards the jackal wall and towards the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed. Then I moved on towards the fountain gate and the king's pool. But there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up in the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and reentered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as of yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or the officials or anyone else about what I was doing. So you'd think that Nehemiah would have got there and the first thing he would want to do is just let everybody know what was happening. It's not what he did. First thing he did after he rested and he recharged is he did his homework. Why do you think he went and examined all the walls? Do you think he rode around the city and, and he would have recognized that the task was overwhelming? See, sometimes it is overwhelming. We look at the problem that God's told us he wants us to be a part of fixing, and we say, God, I can't do it. I think there was some of that. I think God wanted to remind Nehemiah that Nehemiah wouldn't get this done unless God stepped in and helped him. But I also think it was God's way of letting Nehemiah make sure that he was all in. See, the first thing that you need to do before you cast your vision is you need to make sure it's your vision. You need to make sure it's still burned on your heart. You need to make sure it's something you can. You see, dreams go away. Visions never do. See, if it's a vision, you can't sleep at night because it's consuming you. If it's a vision, you don't forget about it two weeks later. And you see, I think this was after that long journey, God's way of saying, okay, Nehemiah, let's go and look at this, not be overwhelmed by the task ahead of you, but recognize that before you tell anybody else that you have a vision, you better make sure it's right on your heart. And you see, what God was doing is he was burning again in Nehemiah's life what he was telling him to do. See, sometimes you need to recognize, to do your homework, to understand that this is the task. Sometimes we get off track. Sometimes we let the journey distract us. Sometimes we take a seat and just get comfortable back in a new comfort zone. God's saying, it's time to reignite that passion. I can see Nehemiah riding around, and and you and I would see it and say, man, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. I bet Nehemiah was excited. Matter of fact, the way he keeps saying I hadn't told anybody is because he was probably just boiling over, ready to share what God was going to have him do. He was probably just at the point where he couldn't not share. It's kind of like I told somebody last week. We canceled church last week, and you know I pray and get ready for this. It's in, you know, it's in a speech I give every Sunday. Okay, uh, it, it, preaching is not something that that you just come and you just say. I pray and I pour everything into it, and and, and I pour my heart into it, and I pray for every person that's going to hear it here and even online, and and I I mean it's just about to boil out of me. And when we canceled church, and last Sunday morning as I made that call to cancel church because of the snow, I promise you, it was just a level. You know, I got the dogs and the cat and set them together, and I, I preached to them. That's why this is coming. I don't have to use my notes because I already preached this at home last week because I had to get it out. It was just coming out. You ever felt like that? You ever had something that God was doing in your heart and you just couldn't contain it? It was just trying to bubble out. You see, that's the way a vision is. That's the way our passion is. And Nehemiah is riding around the city and God is rebirthing this vision. And God says, now's time. And Nehemiah calls all the city together and he casts his vision. The timing was right. And I want you to see this because some of you are at that point where you've got to cast your vision to other people and make it their dreams. 
Because they're not going to help you. They're not going to open the doors. They're not going to be a part of what God's doing in your life until you can share what you see. Can you share what God is telling you to do? He says, then I said to them, this is everybody, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins, as in its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be a disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of God upon me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, this is awesome, let us start rebuilding. So they began the good work. Now, did you see what he did? Nehemiah, in four steps, took his dream, his vision, and helped cast it to the other people. See, the first thing he did was he identified the problem. He said, look at the walls. Now, do you think they'd been, some of those people have been there 70 years. Do you think they didn't see the walls? You see, the problem is sometimes we get so used to the status quo, so used to the, the ruins and the problems that we no longer see them as problems anymore. See, sometimes we get so comfortable with, with mediocre that we, we just don't realize that God has great just around the corner. See, I'm sure when Nehemiah said, look at these walls, that they started looking around, things that they'd been walking by every week, and all of a sudden they began to see something new. They said, this is a mess. You see, what, what he was doing was he was engaging their mind. And when you share the problem, when you share what God has broken your heart for, you begin to engage their mind. But then he took it a next step. He didn't just say, here's the problem, and I like what he did. Did you see? He didn't say, you've got a problem and you've got a problem. He said, we got a problem. Let us. We. See, he became a part of them. He just, he just got there. But all of a sudden, he said, if there's a problem, I'm a part of it because I want to be a part of the solution. And then he, he, he recognized the problem. The second thing he did was he gave them the solution. And, and what was the solution? We need to rebuild the walls. You see, if sharing the problem engages their mind, you know what the solution does? It engages their imagination. It lets people around you start to dream of what could be. When you begin to share, this is what God's told me to do, and, and I share to this church, listen, I believe God has a, a purpose for this church, that this church will be a place to believe, a place to become, and a place to belong, so that you can come, no matter what your background is, no matter what your color is, or your socioeconomic status, or where you live in this county, you can come here and find a place to belong. That you can come here and you can begin to believe what God says about you is true that you can begin to become all that God has for you. When I begin to share that, what I want you to do is begin to dream of all those people out there that are looking for a place to fit in, that are looking, that are hurting, that are lonely, and say, this is a place. See, Nehemiah began to engage their imagination. Just dream of what this city could look like. Just dream of what this place could one day be. You see, we, I, I told you two weeks ago, we need dreamers in the church again. See, the problem is we got too many dream killers. You see, you need to begin to surround yourself with dreamers. That's not yes people. That's not people that always will say yes to whatever you want. It's people that are open to hearing from God and willing to see what God is doing. See, we got too many people that if it's not their idea, they don't want to hear about it. Too many people that the first time you say something, the first thing out of their mouth is something negative. 
You want to cast your dreams, surround yourself with people that believe in you and can open their hearts. They may not agree with everything you say, but they'll be willing to hear what God has for them. We need dreamers. We need people that are willing to see what God is wanting to do. Dream what God could do through your family, what God could do through your business, what God could do through you and your faithfulness. When you begin to see that and you begin to embrace that and you begin to dream, it's amazing what can happen. See, he he gave them the problem, then he gave them the solution. He, He told them what? He told them how. And then the third thing he did is he told them why. What did he say? He said, this is a disgrace to God, the way the walls are. You see, if sharing the problem engages our mind and sharing the the solution engages our imagination, sharing incentive and motivation engages our heart. You see, what he did was he said, listen, here's why we need to do what we need to do. Because our relationship to God is hindered as long as this city looks like this. See, he took it to God. Pulled the God card. You ever done that? I used to do that all the time when I was a youth pastor. Parents would come to me and say, my student is doing this and they're rebellious and they're, you know, and and if I knew that they were a believer, if I knew they had Christ in their heart, they would come into my office and, you know, and they'd puff up and their parents would wait for me to bust out with all the statistics and all the stuff that are, that's not what I want to do. If they were a believer and the Holy Spirit was inside of them, what I wanted to do was let the Holy Spirit work. So I'd say, let's pray. And I'd go over and I'd just put my hands on their shoulder and I'd just start praying for them, for God to break their heart, for God to speak to them, for the God that was inside of them to renew in them. And I can't tell you nine out of ten times, those students that came in stone-faced, when you let the Holy Spirit start working, He works. You see, what we need to understand is you're casting your dream. You need to couch it in spiritual dream. This isn't just a physical dream. That's what my friend Cindy Monroe did when she built 31. And she said, this just isn't about making purses or doing totes. This is about reaching women and allowing them to become what God has created them to become. Their national convention this last year, they had over 40,000 women in the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. You know how they started the service? How they started the, didn't start with a pep rally, they started with worship. Because her vision is women worshiping God and being able to support their families. You see, when you begin to allow the Holy Spirit to work, He does more than you could ever do. Listen, I can't convince you to do anything. I can get up here, I'm a pretty good speaker. I can get up here and make you feel guilty. But you know how long that guilt will last? When you get in the car. I can twist your arm, I can tell some sob story, and you'll cry and walk out of here and go, Oh, the preacher was right. And you'll forget about it by the time you eat. But if the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of you and begins to squeeze, you can't can't let go. See, when you're casting your vision, Nehemiah said, let me tell you what God wants for us. He gave the problem. He gave the solution. He gave the why. And then the last thing he did was he told when. He said, when do we need to do it? I'm sure some guy in the crowd goes, hey, the walls have been broken down for 100 years. What's the hurry? It says Nehemiah began to tell how God had orchestrated his coming. Wasn't it an accident? That God put it on his heart and God changed the king's heart and all of a sudden he was here. The timing was perfect for God to do something. He said, it's right now. You see, the Bible says that God always moves in waves. 
And some of you right now, God is moving. The timing is right. The dream is right. The vision is right. He looked out to them and said, God is moving. And if we miss this wave, we're going to miss it. And, And they instantly and unitedly said, let's do it. So he cast a vision, cast a dream. The Holy Spirit worked and the city rose up and believed it. Let me ask you this. You got a vision? You have a dream? You can't achieve it by yourself. You're going to need other people. Are you ready to cast that out to those around you? To your spouse? To your, your kids? To your family? To your coworkers? Only you know what God is calling you to do. But maybe it's time for you to get out of your comfort zone this morning. Maybe it's time for you to step out and begin to trust him. Late summer, 1985, the President of the United States stood in front of the Brandenburg Gate in West Germany, right in front of that ugly, nasty wall that had been there for 35 years, separating East and West Germany, a symbol of oppression. Many said he was just an actor, an old man out of touch with reality, Some said he he didn't even know what was going on. But on that day, he stood in front of that wall and against the advice from his speechwriters, against the advice of even his closest advisors, he addressed the president of the Soviet Union. He said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. He closed his speech by saying, this wall will not withstand our faith. This wall will not withstand the truth. This wall will not withstand our freedom. Press went wild, said he's crazy, trying to start a war. No, what Ronald Reagan was doing is he was casting a vision to everyone that was listening. He was helping them to imagine that those that had been oppressed, those that had been beat down, he was helping them to see that there could come a day where this wall could be gone. And who could have imagined, not one person listening to that speech would have imagined that two years later, teenagers and senior adults and young people from East and West Germany took sledgehammers and shovels and knives and forks and picked at that very same wall till it was destroyed. A dreamer? Yes. Visionary? Yes. See, I I firmly believe we have yet to see what God can do when someone has a vision and believes in it and casts it to those around them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your truth and your grace. Father, I believe in this room you've given some of these people visions, visions bigger than anything they can imagine, bigger than building the walls around Jerusalem, and they've given up. They've quit. Some of them, Father, they're scared to get out of their comfort zone. They're scared to take that step of faith to, to see reality become true. Father, I pray this morning that you would reignite, that you would rebuild, that you would restore that passion and that vision. That, God, they could cast it out. Maybe it's a vision for their business. Maybe it's a vision for their children or or their relationships at home. Maybe it's a vision for ministry that you've called them to. Maybe it's a vision for this church or, or for the world. 
God, let them dream. Let them trust you. Work in their hearts. God, my words are inadequate, Holy Spirit. But what you want to do is eternal. Father, speak. One or two that could catch your vision and cast it as a dream could change this city, change their school. It could change this church. Let us hear your voice. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and worship with us?